What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? This episode of the podcast was super fun to do with a really cool guest. Barry has such an amazing story from his humble beginnings in a 200-person town in Wales, England, to his very impressive performing career in the WWE and Cirque du Soleil, to building a crazy real estate portfolio, and hosting his own 150-plus episode real estate investing podcast. In this episode, Barry gets into a ton of very valuable topics, from the great risk of following tradition, properly screening contractors, and the power of relationships. There are so many helpful tips to learn in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. Welcome to episode 24 of the Creating Wealth Podcast. Today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing a very special guest and former WWE wrestler, Barry Griffiths. Barry is a former professional wrestler turned real estate investor, host of his real estate podcast called Wrestling with Real Estate, and Cirque du Soleil performer. Barry, what is going on, my man? How are you? How is How it going? Yeah, good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, good job reading out the introduction uh, <laughs> we were saying earlier, man. I don't do that myself because I always mess it up. So anyone who does that, I've got, the, I've got my instant uh, instant uh, respect. So cool, man. Yeah, excited. I had you on my show, so I'm excited to be on your show. I'm still, still trying to decide which side of the mic I prefer to be. I don't know about you, but I like both. Depends what kind of mood I'm in, I guess. Sometimes it's nice to just ask the questions, and sometimes it's nice to not have to worry about the questions. So yeah the pleasure is definitely all mine man it's i love talking to you man it's it's awesome um i think uh i think i honestly like being on kind of the interviewee side i've only been on your podcast but it was so much fun man you know because i've never been on that side of the equation before you know so yeah it's nice to kind of turn the tables a little bit yeah uh, yeah yeah Yeah, we'll uh we'll jump right in my man and um get going so okay what kind of got you into real estate and what's your backstory like what gave you the the real estate investing bug so to say yeah obviously i've been asked this quite a few times and trying to figure it out even myself right even to this point i haven't fully figured it out so there was a few things so for one um i'm originally from wales in the uk but my my family's business was in sort of i don't want to say the construction business because it'll give people the wrong impression but they owned a, a local carpentry slash mini construction business back home in my tiny tiny little town where i lived there was 200 people lived there so gives you an idea can't be a big that big a company right but my great granddad started this business and then passed it on to my granddad then passed it on to my dad and i worked there for a bit but i remember growing up my great my granddad built like the triplex in the local area like in the local little town so i remember being there around that and then my dad and his brother then built another triplex i remember being involved with that so I think somewhere in there that there was that, but I never had so much of an interest in that construction side in terms of working in myself. I worked as a carpenter, but I was the world's worst carpenter. I just hated it. I just never want, you know, in, in this small little town, there wasn't too many options for, for employment and stuff. So I just ended up working for my dad because it was like, all right, what, well, what should I do? Oh, I guess I'll work for my dad, you know? Yeah. So I, I did, ended up doing something I really didn't want to do. And that led to me to wrestling and circus and everything and moving to to the USA and living living in Las Vegas right now. 
But um, so that kind of planted a seed, I think. I think being around that my entire life and the house that we grew up in, they, they bought that and, you know, took it down to the studs and redid that. And I remember being around that and that kind of stuff. So I think being around it had gave me that somewhat of an interest in it because, you know, being on building sites now, I, I like that. I enjoy doing the renovation stuff. And I say enjoy doing I mean, I enjoy paying someone else to do it for me, <laughs> all right? It's my project, my property, but I'm not doing any of this hammer swinging or anything like that myself. So there was that aspect. And then also what happened in 2014, I bought a house in January of 2014. And then in 20, uh, March of 20, April of 2014, sorry, um, my career with WWE kind of came to an end. And all of a sudden I've got a house that I paid $435,000 for and I'm a wrestler in another country and I don't have too many other skill sets. And I'm like, okay, I got a $2,600 monthly payment now, a mortgage payment, what do I do, you know? So I was kind of scrambling and ended up renting out that property because I didn't want to sell that property. So those things combined kind of, I think, brought me to real estate. And then obviously, you know, I ended up reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like everyone else and going to bigger pockets and sort of just understanding you know, the, the possibilities with real estate and the options out there with real estate just kind of blew me away. And I was like, and that, this was even in the beginning stages. And at this point, I, you know, I realized there's so much options out there for real estate and for creating wealth and for creating the life that you want for yourself. Um, I just fell in love and I just, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I wake up in the morning thinking about real estate and I go to bed thinking about real estate and I dream about real estate, I think as well. To be honest. You know, some nights I can't fit asleep because I'm thinking about real estate. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, it's, it's exciting. I think it's for me, I, I just love it to be honest. That's really incredible, man. It's yeah. definitely, it's really easy to, to slip into that kind of mentality of literally just thinking about real estate like 24 seven, you know, it's, and it's not necessarily a bad thing unless you can't sleep and it's not. So good. <laughs> but, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's really incredible, man. You know, what was it like, I guess, kind of growing up, you know, in a town that small, like I can't even like picture it, you know what I mean? Like it does everybody kind of know everybody. I know it's a little off track, but no, 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 no. Yeah, no, definitely. That's exactly how it is, especially being the son of a prominent business, yep. you know, company. Like I was, the company was called Pritchard and Griffiths. Um, so I'm Gruffis, uh, my family's Gruffis, but my great granddad started the business with a guy called something, I can't, don't know his first name, something Pritchard, but he died and didn't have any kids. So my granddad bought his side of the business, but they kept the name Pritchard and Gruffis. So I was always Pritchard and Gruffis' son growing up. So if there was five of us going anywhere and being kids and smashing windows or playing, you know, knock, knock, <laughs> knock, knock, run or whatever you guys call it here, anything like that, right? People would always recognize me and they would always enjoy telling my dad about how they saw their his son. So I would always get, and my other friends would, you know, nobody would, not that they wouldn't care. They just didn't know who they were or whatever. So that was always a pain in the ass growing up. You could never get away with anything. And yeah, everyone definitely. So, you know, I, I, being older, it, it, it's nicer when I go home now because everyone knows each other and you have that friendly family vibe there. Because, yeah. um, you know, living in Las Vegas, you barely know your neighbors here, right? I've lived three or four different places here in Vegas and you, you never, you barely even know your neighbors here. So it's really strange. So, yeah, everyone <laughs> definitely knows everyone. And, you know, everyone goes to the pub and socializes there. And, you know, so it's it's cool. Wow. That, that's incredible, man. That's, that's really crazy. Um, what is kind of your drive and your vision for the long term? What's your fire? 
<laughs> well, I think to start off with going back, you asked me what it was it like growing up in that town. I think the drive to do everything that I've done, so you know, move to another country, wrestle the WWE, work for Cirque du Soleil, be in real estate now, comes from wanting more from growing up in a smaller town. So I, you know, I, I mentioned the good things, right? Everyone kind of knows each other and is very friendly. Everyone's very genuine and great, fantastic people and all that stuff. But there's not a lot going on in the town where there's 200 people living there, right? You have a fish and chip shop, you have a post office, you have a grocery store, you have some pubs, you have my dad's business, and that's about it, right? There's not a lot, whole lot else going on there. Not in terms of excitement, not in terms of employment, not in terms of options, right? Because you imagine, even if you have the best business idea in the world and you try and start a business there, it's going to be very challenging for you to make money, right? Because you have 200 people that live there, right? You know, <laughs> how much, what is, you know, there's always going to be a ceiling to what you can kind of achieve. So I always had that drive to want to want more and, and you know, do more, I guess, with my life than what everyone else was doing there. And, then, and I'm not knocking them, you know, every, you know, if, if that's your choice and that's what you want to do, that's fine, right? I think everyone has the choice to do whatever. This was my choice and I always wanted more. So I think I have that drive still to, to, you know, even though I'm living in Las Vegas, my life is pretty cool right now, you know, to kind of still do more with my life. Yeah. But I think also my, my ultimate goal is to to have that financial freedom like everyone else. Right? But financial freedom is a phrase that's thrown around all the time. Right? What does financial freedom really mean? To me, it means being able to do what I want when I want. Um, and I don't mean go buy a Ferrari if I want to buy a Ferrari. <laughs> I, I don't mean like, that's not what I mean. I mean, if yeah. I want to go on vacation and it's, you know, I want to go traveling or if I want to go to my son's soccer, baseball, basketball game, whatever it is, spend time with that. If I don't feel like working today, I don't want to, you know what I mean? No, that, that's of the course. financial freedom part to me more than any dollar amount that you can yeah. kind of put on it, you know, and I have a dollar amount that I've put on it because that to me equates that freedom, but yep. it's not the, the monetary amount to me. So uh, that's, that's my finance. It just sort of, you know, I'm 39 now, right? I'm crazy that I'm that much older than you because I don't feel it, but <laughs> I guess I am, you know, you're 20, uh, you know, that's, that's a big gap, but um, it, it's realizing that life is short, man. You know, it's like, Jesus Christ, I'm 39. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm 40 then. I remember looking at people being 40, like they were ancient. You know what I mean? It was like, maybe you do too. Maybe you think my God, 40 is so old, right? But um, I remember yeah. thinking that and I'm, here I am now and in the blink of an eye it's happened and I, you know, you, you talk to people and you, you listen to people and you realize like even someone that's 80 years of age, right? Their life like is a flash before, like flash before them, right? It's just happened that quick, you know? So yeah. someone the other day that was 55 and they're like, I have no idea how I'm 55, you know? And like, it's like, life is so short and I really believe that you've got to like, do, do as much as you can with it, right? And that can, that can be so many things to so many different people, but it's just, you know, you, you gotta you gotta make sure the most of your time here because it really is a short amount of time. You really do, man. You're you're totally right. Life is way too short. And, um, you know, it's, it's really crazy, like how fast time moves. And, you know, I feel like you just kind of, you know, like if you're working at a job or whatever, you just kind of like lose sight and like, you know, just get through the week, get through the month. And then a year goes by, five years goes by, 10 years goes by. And you're like, wow, like, how did, how did that happen? Like, I've done that. I've done that. Like I said, when I worked for my dad, Monday to Friday was just like, let's get through this. It's like, just suffer through this and yep. get to Friday. And, you know, obviously when I, this was, when I was much younger, you'd be Friday, Saturday, Sunday out in the pub, even Thursdays, sometimes Wednesdays, you know, 
just trying to, you know, I don't want to say no, because I wasn't an alcoholic or anything like that, but yeah. trying to have some kind of fun because everything else isn't fun, you know, and that's, yeah. like you said, you waste years of your life just going through it, you know, and a year wasted of your life is just terrible. And if you waste, you know, four or five, a decade, you're like, it's just, it's just no good. And I've been there, man. And it's just, I guess that probably drives me as well is to not have that, right? It's like, Sun, that Sunday night feeling when you're like, oh God, I gotta go to work tomorrow. It's kind of like being back in school, right? God, I gotta go to school tomorrow. And it's, it's no way to live life because there is another way to live it, right? And it might not come tomorrow or, or in the next year, but you know, that's why we're on this path, I think, right? It's probably similar to me is to, you know, create that life that's, you know, amazing, that's just really cool. And the cool thing is as well for real estate for me is more than anything, another reason why I love real estate is that, <coughs> you can create whatever life you want for yourself, man. It's just nuts, right? You can do whatever you want and, and like create whatever life you want for yourself through real estate. You want to be flipping a thousand homes a year. I'm exaggerating. I don't think anyone's doing that. Maybe, maybe there's a company out there. But you, you know what I mean? You can be doing that, right? You can be working 12 hours a day and doing that and creating so much money. Or you might be like, well, I want to work two or three hours a month and travel and do whatever. And you can do that as well, right? You can create whatever life you want for yourself. And... You can start from nothing in real estate. You can literally start from nothing. You, people start with debt. People start with hundreds of thousands of dollars of student debt, credit card debt. And then in a few years, four or five years, they're millionaires. Yep. How else can you do that? You can't do that in the stock market. It's very hard to do that in business because you always need money. Yeah. But in, in real estate, you literally can't do that, right? And it, it, obviously, it's not the norm. But it's not that rare either. It's not like a unicorn, right? That's just what one in every million person does it right it's not the lottery there's a ton a ton of people doing it and anyone listening to this can do it and i think that's just that's just mind-blowing when you when you really think about that right i can literally start with a hundred thousand dollars in debt and in five years time I, be, I can be a millionaire and that's very realistic like i'm that's you know if anyone listens like oh yeah right okay <laughs> yeah there's one guy that did it one time no no there's hundreds of stories like that all you have to do is go and bigger pockets or you know start start you know listening to different podcasts and you'll hear it I, you know i've talked to plenty of people that have done it exactly it's so true man it really is and to your point i mean even like people around us you know i have done it and even like hopping on bigger pockets or linkedin or something you know typing in like the area that you're in and like reaching out to some of these investors like around you like one you'll be very very surprised at how many investors you could be like living right next door to someone who's got like, you know, 50 units, you know what I mean? And like, it's like these people are around us and you're totally right. <clears throat> and, um, you know, especially to be able to start off with like, you know, low down payment loans and like, you know, like you don't have to slide in with 20%. You know, I know that's kind of, you know, something that floats around a little bit, but like, it's not true. You know what I mean? Like, it's... uh it's really crazy, you know, and even like to your point of like just boiling it down, like what would it take for you to be a millionaire and how long do you want to do it? And then you can, you know, like make your calculations and divide it and, you know, kind of like prorate it. Be like, oh, I need this much cash flow by, you know, two years from now. And then five years from now, I need this much or, you know what I mean? Like, or add up, you know, take your wage. Um, what is it? You know, like all the money you make in a month, like your, uh, yeah, like you're gross in a month or whatever, and figure out how to make the same amount with cash flow from real estate. Or, you know, if you're more on the equity perspective, like, 
um, you know, what would it take to be able to like refinance the money out and use that as a down payment for another one? And then like, you're literally just rinse and repeat over and over. Like, I feel like the game is just kind of like taking your goal and like just boiling the heck out of it. Yeah. You know? And like, uh, it's totally possible. <laughs> it's so possible. Yeah. And I think like you, you, you bring up a good point there is like figure out what your goal is right? and kind of reverse engineer from there. Yeah. And and also, like you said, so many people think that investing in real estate is either flipping or like you said, you go on the MLS and you buy with 20% down, right? Because the reaction I get so much, so many times, and one of the reasons I wanted to start my podcast was that the people in the circles around me were so clueless to, to what is out there. And it's not their fault. It's not common, no. common knowledge, a lot of this stuff, right? But yeah. once you really dive into real estate, you realize there's so many different strategies out there that you can employ that you don't need all the money in the world that you know you can kind of again design the design design the real estate investment to suit what you're trying to achieve right whatever you're trying to achieve if it's to have a million dollars in the bank in five years or if it's to have a certain amount of cash flow or if it's to have a certain amount of units or if it's to do a certain amount of deals you can kind of engineer that through your real estate career right and it's just really cool because there's so many different things you can wholesale you can flip you can you can um you know you can do multifamily. you can do uh, single family buying holds you can buy notes you can be a private lender you can you know there's so many different things you can invest in commercial properties in office in retail in industrial you know there's so many different options out there for for everyone and i'm just skimming the surface there of the actual um different niches out there but it's it's so true what you say is is, is that you don't need 20 percent down you don't have to buy through the mls you don't have to flip properties right there's something for everyone right something mm-hmm. for everyone for for your skill set and for what you're trying to achieve and it's just it's just really cool to me it really is man this i love that so much you know that i feel like that's what kind of makes real estate like obsessive is like there's so many different things that you can do like <laughs> It's, it's crazy, man. You know, I mean, you talk to one person who's doing like, you know, short-term rentals and like, he's crushing it. You talk to, you know, somebody else that's doing like, you know, eight to 10 flips a year. He's crushing it. Like everybody's completely on like different sides of the spectrum. And it's like, all right, you know, you want to do something with this industry, like just have conversations with these people and see kind of like, you know, what portion of real estate might be, I guess, like the most um like would tailor to your needs the most i guess you could say you know and like, you know if you don't like one area all right whatever you know just try something else like you said there's like a million different avenues um you know with real estate investing it's it's truly insane you know and yeah. everybody can reap the rewards you know it's it's incredible and the unfortunate thing is sometimes i think people get caught up in the excuses um yeah of why real estate is not right. It's risky. It's, you know, only deal with uh, tenants. Uh, you know, I, literally, I heard that on forums before, but I've actually heard people tell me that I don't want to deal with toilets at midnight on a Saturday night. I just don't want to deal with that. They've literally, and I'm like, Classic. I didn't realize that was an actual thing. I thought that was like a metaphor for what people kind of think and the way they talk. No, people actually say those actual words. I don't want to t- deal with a tenant. Broken toilet on a Saturday night at midnight. I'm like, Okay, cool. But the, the thing is, and I, I would and I would challenge anyone who's on this, who's listening to this, to this, who who says it's risky, who say they don't want to deal with that, right? Okay, but the cost of doing those things of 
even if, right, even if, and I've never done this myself, even if I had to fix a toilet at midnight on Saturday night, that's so much less to pay than living this life of being ordinary and not improving your life and not having a better life for you, yourself, your family, your kids, your parents, your all the friends, you know, everyone showing them that this is, you know, there's so much more that goes into real estate that people realize that, that the benefits of it. But also the thing of risk drives me crazy. Like, okay, you work in a job, like you said, right? Monday to Friday, a job you absolutely hate. You're working eight, nine, 10 hours a day. You get what one week off a year, right? You've got to rely on that company to keep providing for you for the next 40 years. And then hopefully you, you retire. And then when you retire, hopefully the stock market's done well enough for you that you put enough away that you can live the next 30 a year, 30, 30 years, maybe 20 years, whatever, with a set amount that you can spend every year. And if you go over that, and if you outlive what your expectations are, you, you have no money. Yep. Like that's, that's not risky, <laughs> but real estate is like real estate's risky. Come on. Real estate is like any investment. There's risk. Of course. I'm not saying yeah. it's not risky, but there's way more risk when you boil it down to just living that ordinary life of relying on one company to provide for you, to have enough money in retirement for the stock market to be okay. And for them to be, you know, like us people in 2008, 2009, we're getting ready to, retire right yep. what they think of that system right they worked their asses off for 30 40 years saved as much as they could put as much as they could in their 401k or whatever it is their retirement account and then bam they just got killed by yep. 2008 2009 recession and ask them how risky it is to kind of rely on that right so yeah there's so many misconceptions but i think it's i think the problem is a lot of people aren't willing to do what's hard right it's easy for us our brain is programmed like that to protect our own ego right even if the, you know the most normal person has some kind of ego mm-hmm. and i think what it is is that these excuses protect your ego right so then if you don't do it there's a there's a reason behind it oh it's too risky i don't do it it's not not that you're too lazy or unmotivated or unwilling to do the work or unwilling to sacrifice or unwilling to do what other people are it's just that it's too risky and that's easier for us to 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 chew and to to sit with than all the other things and i think that's what a lot of that stuff comes down to but i challenge anyone who's on here to to not think of real estate as negative because another thing you'll hear as well is and you've probably heard this is like you speak to someone who's never invested in real estate once right and they'll say Oh yeah, real estate's so risky. Oh, I had an uncle who, who had two properties and they lost them and the tenants trashed the place and oh, it cost them so much money. Oh, I never want to go through that. And then you're like, oh yeah, that is pretty bad. You know? But then you and you're like, oh, so what what happened? Like, did you know, did your did your uncle have a property management company that turned on him? Or like, no, 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 he just he had a, a niece that he put in one one of the properties and he didn't like check her and then she stopped paying and he just let her not pay and then and then he tried to evict her and then she trashed the place and then now that you know oh okay so he didn't screen the tenant at all he just put anyone in there yeah and then what happened what happened with the other one? Oh, it was a property out of state and he just relied on the tenant to take care of the place and you know the tenant like it usually comes down to the 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 a bad owner a bad real estate investor right it's yep. someone that didn't do what they should have done right that's what it almost always comes back to and there are instances of course in real estate where 
stuff goes wrong and there's everyone did everything right of course that happens but 99% of the time when you hear someone say that real estate is bad and it's risky and oh they could never do it because so and so happens I challenge anyone next time you hear that ask them about the full story don't just take it on the foot on the surface or ask them about the full story and you'll find out I bet you that that person who managed that probably made some mistakes that could end up costing them so that's brilliant, man. That that really is brilliant. You know, because it, it's really tough to hear that from people. Because I mean, you've heard it too, right? You've heard oh, it too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From people very, very close to me, which makes me a little nervous. But <laughs> right, always dive dive deeper. Always dive deeper, and yeah. almost always, it's it could have been avoided. Almost always. You know, it's crazy, man. See, like, just just out of curiosity, like. Do you think that you've ever talked to anybody that has told you like stories like that? Um, and that, or uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. I, <laughs> I have the thought in my head, but um, let me see. Play it out and then I'll, I'll, I'll pick, I'll, I'll probably be able to pick up. <laughs> okay. All right. So anybody who actually, you know, has like a multifamily or a single family that they're renting out or whatever that had uh, like a really big issue with a tenant or something, mm-hmm. and then literally just like clean their hands and left the game you know, like, and just never wanted anything to, to do with it ever again. You know? Yeah, like, no, 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 I've not had that. I, I, no, I don't think I've heard of that because I, I think, think I also, <laughs> yeah. Cause I think what happens is anyone that would do that yep. is someone that wasn't that interested in the first place, which probably also led to them having that problem. Yeah. So if you're willing, if you don't have that resolve and that grit and that determination to see it through and that, I guess the ultimate goal as well, right? Going, you asked me earlier, what is my ultimate goal with, with real estate? Unless you have that and the vision for what real estate is, it's, it, it, there is going to be testing times. I'm not saying any, everyone's going to buy as much properties as they want. There's never going to be an issue. It's going to be smooth sailing. No, no, I've had plenty of issues, right? And, and I haven't been investing that long and I don't have 10 million units. But I also know I would rather have any of these problems than not be in real estate, right? These are good problems to have if you're going to have a problem. I, I own a piece of real estate. Uh, the tenant trashed the place or the toilet's broken on a Saturday night, right? Or whatever it is, yep. right? And it's it's an okay problem to have. It doesn't. It's not great at the time, but you're in real estate. You own a piece of real estate. You're bettering your life. Those around you um are benefiting you know my, my wife my son are benefiting from it as well and you know it, it's it's essentially a small problem to have it seems like a big deal at the time but it really isn't when you consider that so i think anyone who had a problem and was like okay i'm out of real estate was weren't that vested in real estate weren't doing things the right way because they weren't that interested in it which usually led to that problem i would imagine which then led them to be like okay i'm real estate this is what everyone told me about real estate and this is why i'm never doing it again when in reality you know it, it, it shouldn't that happen but i've I, you know this i've had plenty of horror stories there's plenty of people that's have horror horror stories right and they did everything right and it, it's going to happen mm-hmm. but they were able to respond figure it out find a solution and then use that chalk that up to a, a learning experience and then which leads them to even more success you know yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. It's uh, it's really crazy. Um, yeah, you know, definitely. I feel like you know, kind of having that, um, 
uh, I guess like that dream and that, that goal, I guess that fire, um, you know, just to keep pushing through, you know, all the BS that's going to come along and stuff. Cause I mean, I feel like you can look at it like, you know, if you were fixing that broken toilet on a Saturday night at midnight, um, I mean, yeah, it could be terrible. You know, there could be, there could be like three feet of snow on the ground, whatever, you know, that could be a really awful experience, but are you willing to pay the price for that? And then like just abandon real estate altogether over, you know, having that property, building that equity, building that cash flow, and being able to, you know, like reclaim your time and live the life that you want to. And like, you know, not be stuck at a job that you don't like and be happy and, you know, be able to go to like your son's games and stuff. Is that small problem worth, you know, I guess like your family's freedom and stuff, you know what I mean? Like, and your happiness and like super bigger picture. Like, I feel like, you know, you kind of have to look at it that way. I think that's exactly how you look at it. I think that's the problem maybe for a lot of these people is that they just think of of real estate as that property, right? And obviously you've got to analyze a property and and take care of that property. Mm -hmm. But but real estate isn't that property if you look at it the right way, in my opinion. I think you need to look at it as real estate. That that property is part of your vision and your goal. And, you know, it doesn't need to be this complex vision. It can just be... I want to make an extra $2,000 a month so we can supplement whatever my car payment and my, I don't know, vacation for once a year or something like that. If that's your goal, right, that's a good enough goal. It doesn't need to be 10,000 units and and a million dollars a year in in, in money, right? It doesn't need to be that. It can be whatever you want it to be. But if you have that, it's so much easier to drive through, like you said, those tough times, right? Like, because for me, even if I had to, pull out a turd myself right from the toilet right which would be terrible i would be gagging all over the place but that's what it took right because i have a bigger vision like you said right i have a bigger goal and it all feeds into that goal and i think it's you know it's the why right that three-letter word that people throw around all all podcasts and everything and it's true what they say but i just get sometimes i get sick of hearing it because it just so repetitive and it's true there's nothing wrong with what it is. It's just that it gets thrown around so, so it much. It's like it kind of gets watered down. But really, that's what it is. Is under the why to me just means understanding what you want and why you want that, right? Why it's so important to you and what does that mean to your life? Mm-hmm. That it makes everything else, you know, irrelevant in real estate because of how important it is to you. And that's why you've got to find something that is really important, right? If you come up with a a reason that's like, okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not that important to you. Well, of course, you're not going to be that driven, but you need to figure out what is really important to you and use that to drive you through some, some of the tougher times. Because there's going to be plenty of great times as well, right? It's easy to talk about the negatives. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of great times as well, right? Stuff goes right and deals go right and the renovation goes right and, you know, you have great tenants and you're making money and your lifestyle is improving. It's just... You know, there's plenty, 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 plenty of positives. Of course, man. That's, I feel like that's super important. You know, I feel like, you know, not to kind of like beat a dead horse, but like, even if you tied a dollar amount to like what we were talking about earlier, like say, you know, your toilet needs like, I don't know, like a $50 part or something, you know, pulling something out of my, out of my ass here. But like, is that $50 part in like a couple hours of your time worth more than like the bigger picture? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you actually, like, put the this these events into numbers, like, just being able to, you know, like, watch your kids grow up and stuff and be there the whole time and, like, 
Like, is that worth less than a $50 pot and some frustration and a couple curse words? Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah that's, for you me, as a, as a parent as well now, you know, I have an 18-month-old son. As a parent, there's also that extra layer for me as well is what kind of example am I setting to my son? Right? What, what am I teaching him? What am I, you know, because believe it or not, and I'm realizing this more and more, unfortunately, <laughs> is that kids don't do what you say. They follow your example, right? Way more like my son is always copying me. He's always doing stuff <laughs> that like I do, right? And it's, when he starts speaking, I'm going to be in a whole world of trouble because right? he's going <laughs> to repeat the words i say so i gotta probably change a lot about that but but it's very repeatable it's they, they it's not very they, they repeat what you do so much right they watch you every move you make everything you do and that's going to be continuous right and that's going to be the example that you that you set so even showing to them and it's not necessarily about the real estate and being yeah. wealthy it's about me not willing to work a regular job and be miserable in that job and not want to provide and live the best life for myself, right? Because you can be a good example, you can be a bad example, right? And I'm not saying that people that live that life are bad parents or anything like that, not, not at all, right? They're just doing what they know and what they understand, right? Yeah. It's not that they're trying to be anything else except good parents. And I'm not saying that for anyone who's listening. But I think you can, you know, if once you have that realization, you understand that me investing in real estate and, you know, hopefully living... A great life from here on in and, and getting to these numbers and doing everything i want to do shows him like wow okay there is like there is another way like because i think we all get taught right and i think that's the issue right with with all of this right it's not that anyone wants to work their job for the next 40 years and be miserable and live for the weekend and all that stuff right that we talked about before it's just that you don't know anywhere that's how the system is built right and i don't want to like i'm not like <laughs> i don't believe in the illuminati and all that stuff or anything. you know what i mean there's not iguanas running the world or anything like that but there is a system in place right and, it, and it, it makes sense that it is a system like that because that's how the country needs to run right this is how things work it's just that's how it is you don't get taught about real estate in schools you don't get taught about entrepreneurs entrepreneurial skill sets in school you don't get to talk about a lot of this stuff right but if you are able to open your eyes and see out there and, and, and change the way you view things and understand some different things about life, you can also pass that on to your kids. And I think that's, that's also a huge factor for anyone who has kids out there is the example that you're showing them and, and leading them. That's huge, man. I obviously, you know, haven't really uh, thought about that kind of thing, but someday. Yeah. You will. You got plenty of time. You don't <laughs> someday I'm going to come back on this and, yeah. and be like, oh my God, he was right. Uh, <laughs> let's hope so. Wow. You'll um, be a multimillionaire by that point anyway. So. <laughs> hey, you too, man. <laughs> um, would you mind telling the story of acquiring your first property and any lessons that you learned from it? I know, you know, we kind of got into it a little bit, but. Was there any like like big lessons? Um, I guess that you kind of were able that to first learn? property. Yeah, that first property for me was I didn't buy it as an investment property. It was a house to live in. It was a house that I just liked the look of it. I didn't really, yeah. even though I said my family were in in you know construction and build stuff, I didn't understand the investment side of it at all, right? And I you know I believed that the house that you lived in was going to be an investment, so I tried to look around for a good area, blah blah blah. But that was about as far as it go, right? A twenty six 
2550 is how much my mortgage payment was a month. And that's not really any kind of investment, any kind of <laughs> philosophy or any kind of anything, right? But I loved the house and I was making good money with um, uh, WW at the time. So I didn't even think about it, right? I was like, okay, I can afford this mortgage payment. Let me get it. <laughs> you know, that's about as far as it goes. So that was definitely, you know, going back. And I'm sure, you know, 99% of America, that's how they buy their property, right? Can I afford it to, to buy this house? Okay, I'm buying it. You know, if I want to live there, if I love it. Um, so that, that was definitely a lesson that <laughs> going back, I would have obviously figured something else out and I would have figured there was huge CDD fees and HOA fees. So that's really what drove up the, the monthly payments. And I didn't even look into any of that. And then, then, then trying to find a tenant, I was like negative cash flow on that property then as well. I was like, I don't know, two, 300 bucks negative cash flow every month. Cause I was just needed someone to get in there and yeah. eat the chunk of that, you know, cause even then they're paying 2,200 or whatever it is, right. 2,200 a month. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it, th that in itself was, was painful and a learning lesson in terms of, okay, maybe I should look at that before I buy a property. Um, but, but outside of that, wasn't too many lessons because if nothing else, it got me into real estate. I think I bought that property and I had it and I, we managed it from afar and obviously we had good tenants in there. So, you know, when we moved to Las Vegas, we still had that property and they would pay every month and take care of some little stuff here and there. So it wasn't huge learning lessons. I would say my, I would rather talk about my first multifamily property, a six unit that I bought in January of 2010, January 14th of 2010. There was a lot more learning lessons in that one. Um, um, so just a few, for example, that I learned that it's better to have six units than to be trying to because it was essentially going to be a flip and it still is and sold yet but it, hopefully it will, it will sell it pretty soon but essentially the idea was to turn around the six unit fix all up the units increase the value and either sell or do a cash out refinance so with that I also realized if, I, if this was a single family home I would have been eating all the holding costs I would have been eating the mortgage payment eating the electricity bill the water um, taxes, insurance, all that stuff, right? Any repairs and maintenance. But because I bought multi-unit property, and it was only six, so it's not a huge one, but I had tenants in there the whole time. I was just doing one or two units at a time. The other tenants were paying down everything else for me, so I wasn't losing money. I didn't essentially have any closing costs. So that was very attractive in itself. Um, and, and just just learning how to deal with contractors you know the first contract that i had on there was kind of crappy i just had a, a referral for someone didn't really do much background check on them and they did really crappy work they you know the, the guy that was supposed to be doing the work had outsourced it to some other people these people i don't know if they had any kind of construction background whatsoever they had no idea what they're doing so i kind of had to get someone back in over there and fix their work and luckily i realized this early enough in the project that I was just able to, to fire them essentially and get someone else in and it didn't cost me too much money to remedy that. But definitely with, with contractors, you want to, you know, do as much checkup on them as you can, right? You want to make sure they are who they are. Look, you know, make, if you can go some, to see some of their other work, get as many referrals as you can, you know, have contracts in place. If you feel like that's need, don't pay them up front. Like all, all, all this stuff, right? And and also have someone there if you're not if you're out of state that can go check on the work, you know. Ideally, every week, if not every week, every other week, so that the work's being done as as it should. So that that was another lesson. There's been a ton of lessons. There's been a ton of lessons in terms of 
management, how to rent out the units, what kind of renovation to do, you know, why and when, and, um, you know, just learning about operating a, a bigger property like this, because I had single, single families before, and it's only six units still, it's not a 30, 40, 50 unit property, but still it's, it's, it's six tenants under one roof, you know, so just le learned a lot about that kind of stuff. There's so much gold in there, man. Especially about the the contractors, you know. The, yeah, contractors can be challenging, right? And if you if you go in there with us with being very suspicious of contractors, I think that's helps. And there's no offense to any contractors, but there are good ones out there. Definitely, I've got a good one right now, but there's plenty of bad ones as well, and you can get really burnt with that. So if you go there thinking that this contractor is going to screw me over, how can I protect myself against that? I think that helps a lot. I think that could really you know, you, you'll find ways to make it, figure it out and to, to understand that if you have that thought process. Now, don't treat them badly because <laughs> they, might, they might be the good ones, right? But just have that suspicion, right? Have yeah. that suspicion of, right, these guys are going to screw me over. How can I protect myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's um, that's so true. What uh, Are there like a couple things that you, um, you know, like to kind of ask contractors, like to kind of, I guess, like screen them a little bit? Or how yeah, do you there's, like kind of... yeah, there's, there's quite there's quite a few things um, yeah. I'd say on my, in my experience. So the first one I got a referral with, right, which was a good start, right, to get a good, good referral. The only thing with my referral was this guy had never used them, so he was the broker that sold me the deal. Mm -hmm. So he and he meant well. He he was trying to give me the best contractor that he knew, but he he's never used them. He doesn't do he doesn't do any renovation work. He's not an investor himself. He's just a broker who buys and sells deals. So, you know, that, that should have been in itself a, a bit of a red flag for, for me, right? You want to, if you're getting a referral, you want someone who's dealt with that person, right? Firsthand, who has had them at the property, who's had them do good work, right? So it's almost like you have to vet the referral as well, right? You have to yeah. check out what the <laughs> referral is, right? So th there's, there's that, I would say, right? And then it's good to talk to these people. Right? You know, you, you get a feel for who they are just in terms of, even if you do FaceTime or something, Zoom call, right, with people, it just gives you an idea for someone's personality, who they are, how they work, right? You can, you know, ask them questions about previous work they did, what kind of jobs they do, right? Because that's another thing, right? It's kind of, you know, I'm sure people have heard people talk about property management, right? You own a property management company that does the same kind of property that you're, you're looking for them to manage. Well, it's the same with contractors, right? If they're doing high-end flips and you're looking to do uh, a C-class buy and hold property it's probably not a good fit right because yeah. they're going to try you know, they're used to using these expensive materials to do these high-end finishes and that's not what you want for a c-class property right you want it to be nice and clean and you know um, um tenant proof right but yeah. outside of that you don't need granite countertops you don't need quartz you don't need all this expense you don't need backsplashes a lot of times right all this stuff right so it's important to understand that as well right and if you can and if you're local to the area and you're there or even if you're investing upstate and you're just visiting try and take the time to see some other their their sites if you can right if they have other work that they've done you want to go and try and see that work if you can right or, or the good thing is now someone told me there's a website, I can't remember what the website is called, but you can pay, where you essentially go to find people that do stuff for you in another state. So mm -hmm. if you need someone to go take some pictures or something, you need someone to go view another construction site that these guys are working on, you can have them go do that, right? You've got to pay them, obviously, but 
even if you pay someone 50 bucks to go to the, another site and they tell you, oh my God, this place is a mess. It's, the work is terrible, right? That's the best 50 bucks you'll spend, right? That's yeah. the best, probably the best 50 bucks <laughs> you'll ever spend. So yep. you can do these things. So you can really vet them. Essentially, what it comes down to is take the time to really vet them, right? And how, and actually, so another thing is as well, um, to find a good contractor that helps is if you find someone that gives you that referral that has, and has some kind of power over these people, that 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 helps as well. So to give a real life example of what I mean by that is the comp- the this company that I use, they work a lot with the property management company that I have. So they do a lot of work for them. So if they were to screw me over, the property management company who's managing my property probably wouldn't use them again, right? They They would cost themselves a lot more money by screwing me over than if they just did all the work like they should with this property management company. So they had something to lose. So if you're able to set up a situation like that, you know, where these, these guys, if they screw you over, they have something to lose. And that's a perfect example of, I think something where it can be like that, right? Is, 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 or if you have a friend that does a ton of work as a flipper or someone that, you know, you know, if they, if, if these people care about their reputation and you can try and find someone that has someone that cares about their reputation, I think that's a big deal. Right. And it doesn't still mean that it safeguards you, but it just helps in that way. So yeah, those, those are a few good things. I think if you go to um, a David Green book, the, the uh, book on, is it the long distance real estate estate investing or something like that yeah he has a ton of ton of great tips and i've heard him talk quite a few times about how he hires his contractors and what he expects from them and he's uh he's uh he's really good as well so that definitely listen to what he says but that just try and find out who these people are and how how they work right and don't mean do like a serious background check or follow them (laughs) home to their house at night or anything like that (laughs) but find out what kind of work they do do they do good work do they have good referrals from them you know are they do they finish on a timely manner are they you know are they quite cost effective you know are they clean and tidy like there's there's a ton of stuff and you can you know find out a lot of this stuff as well through you know either yourself or through other people that's so true, man. I, I want to go back and kind of touch on the um, like people that care about their reputations. Like, yeah. I feel like as big as real estate is, like a lot of people still know each other. Yeah. So if, you know, like that contractor, you know, that you used in the example, you know, that works with the property manager that manages your property. Like if they were to do something like that, like they're literally just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. You know, because then you go back and you tell, you know, the property manager, like, hey, you know, these guys did this, I paid them and I didn't get, you know, the outcome that I, I desired and that I paid for. Then, you know, the property manager could be like, all right, you know, we can just find somebody else that you guys can get out of here, you know, off of one job. You know, I, I feel like you're totally right. Like, you know, it's, it's such a small, it's such a big world, but I feel like it's such a small world too. And like a lot of people have connections to each other that, you know, you might not know. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's totally, you know, a really big thing that um, is less talked about. You know, yeah, well, if you, you, you can join local meetup groups as well, right? So if you're investing wherever in the area or out of state, if you join all these meetup groups in this area, you'll be able to get referrals from these people. Now, again, you need to vet it because you need to understand who's giving you that referral, what not why they're giving you that referral. But if if, if, if there's the same name coming up over and over again in a, in a meetup group or a few different meetup groups, that's usually a good sign, right? That's definitely yeah. a good sign, right? And something else I would challenge people, I, I think, is is 
don't let price being the be the only factor right mm. because if you're going for the cheapest guy and the guy that's given the best price and you know, there's usually a reason behind that, right? And there's ways to make stuff more cost-effective. You know, you can have hire handyman to do stuff that's unskilled work that you, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You don't want to be yeah. paying someone hundred dollars an hour that someone can be doing twenty dollars an hour work for it, right? But you, you know, you you pay for what you get a lot of times, especially with contract. If you go for whoever is the cheapest, that doesn't, you know, does might not equate to you saving money, right? You might have to get someone else to redo the work or they might walk off with your money right or whatever it is right don't don't let just price be be the the the, the factor that that size who you're going to use because <laughs> sometimes a more expensive one will work out cheaper because they do it on they may, may finish quicker they might do better work so you don't have to redo the work they reliable like there's so much more that goes into it so don't let price in my opinion right in my opinion don't let price be the only factor in deciding how to what contract they use and i think that's a mistake i've heard a lot of people make that's huge man that's that's super golden oh my god <laughs> that's so true that's awesome and I can I can safely say my contractors are not the cheapest. <laughs> that that I know, but they do good work and they're reliable, and you know I'm I'm happy with what they do. So I don't don't beat them. Well, I try to beat them up over there actually. <laughs> I, I try to get them better better prices, but yeah, it doesn't budge too much, so it's, it's worth it. Of course. Yeah. Wow. Um. Moving on to our next question. Uh, what do you consider to be the biggest variable to expand your portfolio? You know, whether it be like networking or, you know, marketing or running numbers or. Um, so essentially what you're asking is what do you think is to me is the most important to grow the portfolio? What, what is yeah. the most beneficial? Yep. Yeah. Networking is huge, right? Networking is a massive part of that maybe people are sick of hearing that as well right i remember starting out listening to podcasts and hearing the same stuff talking about over and over and just people would say networking and i was like okay well okay how, <laughs> how does that work what do i do with that right it's like yeah. saying you know what i mean there's so much others like find your why okay but how like how did i do that what does how that work yeah like, yeah exactly <laughs> right so net, but networking for me has been huge i think network because and just to let people understand is like through networking, you meet people who give you these referrals, right? For example, um, contractors, right? So if you if you network with people, they're going to know contractors, right? Or even if they don't know contractors, they might be able to give you advice on how to hire contractors, right? Or they they might know they might know someone in another state that you know. It's, it's just it's amazing how it works. And so what I would say is it okay? Networking is for me has been huge. What I did was I started a podcast like you. You know, you, you get to. Every time you get on an interview, you get a chance to network and create a friendship with someone and, and grow it from there. But, you know, everyone might be like, well, I don't have time for a podcast. Well, okay, well, you know, you've got the cool thing is you've got so many Facebook pages, groups, whatever you want to call them that you can be part of now. And we're all on social media way too much, right? I guarantee every single one of us is on there more than we should be, me, me included. Yep. When you're on there, that's a chance for you to talk to people, right? If you see someone comments about something that you're interested in, just reach out to them on, on, on in that comment say well wow, that's interesting can you tell me more or, or how does that work all right or, or oh i see you're in las vegas where i'm at like is there anything i can do to help you what can i do as a as a young and eager person you know and create those friendships right networking to me is creating friendships 
Yep. And and the more friendships you have, the more ability you have to 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 draw on these relationships and and kind of maybe get them to help you, right? But you've also got to come from a point of and sure people have heard this a million times is, is giving to them as well right the more you help the more you help people the more they're going to want to help you and it's just the way it is the law of reciprocity right and the more if you're always thinking about that right how can i help this person first they're going to be more than willing to because i always i love helping people this may sound bad like but it comes from a genuine place i love helping people because then they owe me they don't they, they, not that they owe me but you know, <laughs> I know then, then you don't have to feel bad about if there's any time that you need a favor for them because i feel like i ask people and i do it in a good way hopefully i build a relationship and, and, and they know it comes from a genuine place but i don't know i ask people for stuff and i always feel guilty if i haven't given them something in return or given them something first so when i'm able to do something for someone i love it because then i'm like okay <laughs> if i ever need to ask you for something i don't have to feel guilty right and they probably say hey you don't need to feel guilty about asking me for anything but at least if i've done something for them first that's great because then i have no hesitation about asking them and i don't have to feel any guilt about asking them so I, I, I just think, think, you know, the more you can help people build those relationships, right? Be a good person. I think most people know how to be that, hopefully. Build relationships and, and just, you know, don't be scared to reach out to people. When I started my podcast, I don't know about you, you're on an episode, this is episode 24 now. I was scared to ask people to be on my podcast. I was like, why are people going yeah. to be on my podcast? I feel you. <laughs> They're successful. Like, and you'd be surprised, right? Because for one, people want to share their story and help people yep. with their podcast and help you. But, What's people's favorite subject? It's themselves 99% of the time, right? People enjoy talking about themselves, right? So if you give them that platform um, to talk to talk about themselves, they usually usually take you up on it. But people are a lot more helpful than people think. As long as you, if you if someone's successful and you reach out and say, hey, uh, what should I do to be successful? I'm like, okay. <laughs> like how much Boy. time have you spent? How yeah. much time have you spent thinking about that question? How much time have you, how much research have you done, right? Like yep. there's a golden rule, right? If you're going to reach out to someone, can you Google that answer? If you can, don't ever ask it. Because yep. that's just ridiculous, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You get it all the time on Facebook, football post. What time does Walmart close? <laughs> just do a Google well. search. Like, yeah, would have taken you quicker to do a Google yep. search than it did to type up that Facebook post, right? And I'm not knocking people, you know, I'm just kind of joking with them, but... <laughs> If, you, if you're going to try and create relationships and you want people to try and help you, tr try and remember that that these people that, that you're trying to get help from are usually successful and they're mm -hmm. successful for a reason because they're busy, right? And most people are willing to give up their time as long as they understand that <clears throat> you're hungry for success, you're, you're willing to work, you've done some research, right? You don't need to be the most knowledgeable person in the world, but don't just fire off a question like, hey, yeah. uh, I want to be a millionaire in real estate investing. How do I do that? Okay, like well, oh. <laughs> I know probably twenty thousand different ways I can answer that question. And for yep. one, like why would I answer that question, right? Because you've put no effort. Why should I put the effort when you haven't any, right? So it's just these little things, I guess, in terms of networking, it hopefully gives people an idea of how to think and always, always, always try and help that other person first, right? Even if it sometimes comes from and for me it always comes from a genuine place. And I'm not just saying that because we're on a podcast or anything like for some reason I've noticed I enjoy helping people. I really yeah. do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, Maybe coming from the small town that I grew up in, everyone helped each other. Maybe that's what it is. But I genuinely enjoy helping people. But even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't, right? If you always look to help those other people first, it's going to stand you in good stead, right? Even if you're like kind of a crappy person, <laughs> just do that. Just do that. Just be everyone you, you're trying to connect with and, and be friends with and whatever. 
just try and help them first and try and think what does this person need right like if people are listening to you or me now right we both have podcasts right if someone wants to help us a simple simple way is go and write a five-star review you i i do that all the time when i when i'm trying to reach out to guests and i know they have a podcast perfect i go give them a five-star review subscribe to their podcast give them a rate a great rating and then i'll reach out and say hey I noticed you have a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Want to give you five-star rating, wrote you a good review. I've subscribed to your podcast. Uh, we'll probably listen every week now from now on in. Who's not going to be happy with that? Who's not going to exactly. reply at least? They may say, hey, I'm not I'm too busy or whatever like that. But that's such a simple thing. And if you just think from that perspective, what does this person... Because people also, I've heard this, and I, I love this actually from other people because I was guilty of doing this. I reached out and said, hey, how can I help you? I'd love to help you in any way. Well... <laughs> okay uh i don't know what, what can you do for me i don't know what your skill set is can you can you knit me a jumper can you yeah <laughs> can you go build me a house i don't know what you can do right if but if you just take and if you, you can everyone has linkedin profiles everyone has facebook profiles everyone has bigger pockets profiles everyone has youtube content out there of some sort right even if you're just being on someone else's show or on a podcast or whatever just take the time and it probably wouldn't take you more than 30 minutes to investigate this person see what this person is up to what they're doing where they're investing in and find one thing that you can maybe provide to them or help them with or have any consideration whatsoever even if it's not necessarily helpful the fact that you researched and did that work to find that out is going to make people a lot more receptive so just keep that in mind i think when you're networking i think that's just an easy thing to try and think about it really is man and like totally stemming back to your point earlier about you know like literally like if somebody has like a podcast or something like just giving them a ton of love, like just to make them feel good, you know, like even if you don't get anything out of it, like I feel like I, I totally, you know, uh, get where you're coming from, you know, just from like genuinely helping people, you know, like even if you don't get anything out of it, like, yeah, it's cool when you do get something out of it. But if you're not looking for that, once you're like literally just given value, like it makes you feel good to give them value and make their day, you know, like I feel like everybody's happy. You know what I mean? It's, like it's it's if the yeah. world was like that, right? If you went out every day just to help one person and every other person did that, right? To help someone else in one way, tiny, tiny, tiny little way, right? It, it the world would be so much better. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to get philosophical or get deep or anything like that, but it's it's You're not right. a tough thing. It's not a tough thing, right? It's to not. just try and go and help help people in some way whatsoever, right? It's, and it could be whatever. There's 10,000 different ways to help one person, I'm sure. But just, really have that, just having that consideration and that, that thought set, I think, helps. Yeah. I really like what you said about, like, shooting to help somebody out first as well. I totally get what you're saying. Like, I, I hate to, like, be a burden, like, for people. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's no big deal, like, if it's just a question or something, like, I feel bad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to bother them. Like, I know their time is, like, super valuable and everything. But you know, like if you help them out first, then, you know, I feel like there's kind of like something there, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, sure I totally get where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. Just find it. And there's always a way yeah. to help someone, but do there something. Is. Or just even sometimes giving them a compliment, right. And if they have whatever it is, a book out or blah, 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 say, Hey, I, or I read your blog, your blog, your blog was awesome. I love how you talk about A, B and C. This is really interesting. I'm actually going to take that on board. People write blogs for a reason, right? If you're just trying to understand people's perspective, right? Yes. They, do it to sort of position themselves as an expert, but they took time to read that blog, to write yep. that blog, right? And about that, whatever subject, right? And if you're able to read about it, relate to it, 
learn something from it and then relate that uh, uh, relay that to them and let them know how that blog potentially helped you and taught you something that's huge for them as well right so i think you know there's just so many ways you can do that it's just it, i think what it is it's just the simplest thinking about it a little bit people don't it think is. hey i need this answer to this question okay let me just ask well okay there's nothing wrong with that and <laughs> you might get an options. answer yeah there's more yeah. And, and also if you do that take the time to do that you know to learn about this person and help this person or do something to to create that relationship going forward as well they've got more chance of, of of having them help you in the future now i'm not saying they'll become a mentor but you might have another question in a month's time and they'll be more you know willing to to answer that question and help out at that point yep you know i feel like too with I feel like it hasn't been easier to literally just give positive value with like social media and stuff in the day that we're in. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, you know, like everybody's got some, well, 99.99999% of people have some kind of social media platform, right? And if they're putting out content, you know, whatever it is, you know, whether it's Instagram or, you know, YouTube stuff or a podcast or whatever, like imagine how long it takes out of your day like if you see it in your feed or whatever how long does it really take like to like their picture or something or you know whatever and give them like a little comment like oh you know you're crushing it dude keep it up you know and like they see that light up on their phone and they're like that's awesome you know what i mean like somebody actually took time out of their day to you know to keep me going and like yeah like literally just keep keep pushing people forward you know and i feel like there's not enough positivity going on right now you know not to not to be a philosopher as well, but I feel like it's in the day and age that we're in, it's, it's pretty simple to, to just go out and give value, you know, especially when people are putting themselves out there. Like you said, like people take time to actually, you know, write those blogs and, and make those podcasts and, you know, post those Instagram pictures and everything, like show them a little bit of love. You know what I mean? Like, like you feel good by helping them out. Like they feel good because you read it and, you know, maybe learn something. And it just, I feel like everybody's happy there, you know, just because like you took 10 seconds out of your day to make them feel a little bit better. Yeah. It really is that easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah. <laughs> um, Ooh, what is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career? I know we've talked about tons and tons, um, you know, of, of super crazy uh, like priceless stuff already, but yeah, for me, uh, is waiting, being guilty of waiting. Um, I don't say, I, I don't think I have analysis paralysis per se, but of listening to economists, uh, listening to people around you and right. And once you have that, and I think I'm, I'm, I don't know, I think I'm more naturally pessimistic, I think. So, you know, I noticed this a long time ago is you, you pay attention and, and, and um, read and listen to stuff that that meets you where you are, right? So if I'm scrolling through YouTube and I see, oh, the market crash is coming, I'm clicking on that because that's how my brain is thinking. Whereas someone who has an optimistic outlook, and it's not that I'm optimistic, not optimistic in general, but I definitely have a little bit more of a cautious, pessimistic approach, I think, to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, um, someone else scrolling through YouTube has an optimistic um, outlook, sees, oh, uh, real estate's going to go up 20% in the next year. They, they click on that, right? And I think is, is, is important. The lesson I've learned from this is because I'm naturally pessimistic, it's good to listen to optimistic 
videos as well, right? To balance it out a little bit. It doesn't mean that I follow yeah. either one or be one to listen to that. But the biggest mistake I made for sure is, or lesson learned, whatever, whatever is um, waiting too long. Like I've, I've been in real estate now, essentially, I don't know, since 2014, I guess, if you come that first property. It was a few years later before I bought my first investment property. But from there, I, you know, I've been looking at multifamily quite a bit. And I've done, you know, I've done a, a decent amount and it's, it's going to work out pretty well eventually. But I could have been a lot further ahead, I think. You know, I was looking at multifamily here in Vegas in 2018, maybe end of 2017. And just because I thought, oh, 10-year cycle, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, there's going to be a crash soon, so I'm going to hold off. Had I bought then, right, the prices of stuff here in Vegas as opposed to 2018 is nuts. Stuff has more than doubled. More than doubled in three years, right? And I thought, remember looking at properties that were 50, 55,000 a door at the time, thinking, wow, this is so expensive. <laughs> You know, and now they're over 100, 110, 120, 130 in some cases. So if I could have, from whatever money I had, or figured out a way to buy whatever I could have back then, I would have been so much further ahead. And even looking at deals, because I invest in Cincinnati, um, even fast forwarding a few years, even to 2019 when I was looking at properties then, if I'd have bought everything I could have back then, you know, two years later, I would still would have been sitting pretty now. So... <laughs> Definitely don't wait, you know, if there's a good deal now, you know, the saying is don't buy real estate and wait, buy real estate and don't buy, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait, right? And it's kind of true, but you've also got to be smart about it. But if, if the deal's a deal, right? If, it cash, if you're buying for cash flow and you're buying for, um, you know, longer term hold, you know, if it meets all this stuff, you know, if it's good, good cash flow now, if you can get long term debt, um, if you're, you know, if you're not buying in the hood, if you're not buying in bad areas, right? You know, all these kind of stuff. Now's a good time to buy, right? Especially with interest rates where they are now. So my, my biggest mistake is waiting too long to, to buy real estate. And I've bought plenty of real estate. I just should have bought twice as much or three times as much. I feel like that's super valuable, man. I, I totally feel what you're saying at this point. You know, I mean, given, you know, the market is a little bit tougher right now, but like, I feel like there's always more that I can be doing. You know what I mean? Like to always like, just keep pushing for those opportunities. And I mean, people always have to buy and sell their houses. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a buyer's market or if it's a seller's market, people are going to be moving in and out, you know? And like, I mean, if you're able to catch them at the right time and everything, like, you know, I mean, it's going to be a little bit more difficult sometimes than others, obviously, but yeah, just, um, you know, just to keep buying and stuff like that is, um, it's crazy. <laughs> um, let me see here. Ooh, what is something that you thought about business networking or wealth creation that changed as you went along? Um, for one was going from single family to multifamily. So mm -hmm. I started out, I always started out with buying holds. Um, wasn't interested in wholesaling, wasn't interested in flipping or doing notes or um, any kind of other stuff my goal was to create passive income was to create that and you know cash flow essentially was the most important thing to me so I figured out I needed 40 single family homes it was just a calculation that I made yep um, and I spoke to someone there and they said hey you know you can buy a 40 unit property right and probably get to your goal in one deal and I was like uh, what <laughs> interesting so then I started down that rabbit hole of multifamily and 
found so many other reasons why multifamily is, in my opinion, a, a, a better investment for what I'm doing. I don't want to say a better investment because everyone has different goals and different outlooks. But uh, yeah, that was huge going from single family to multifamily was, was something that I think is going to create a lot more wealth for me. That sounds like quite the game changer. You know, when, when, it, see, it's crazy too, because all it takes is one person too, you know, to, to mention that. And it could like totally change your tra- trajectory and like put you on like a, a quicker path, I guess you could say, um, yeah. you know, like a more efficient path to, to get to the same spot just through, you know, a little bit different of an avenue. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree, man. That's, that's great. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Um, what is your best piece of advice to new investors that want to start and manage their rental portfolio? Okay, so we're going from a buy and hold standpoint, and it's a yeah, man. It's it's tough. I hate giving blanket statements because <laughs> do you know what I mean. Uh, you yeah. know, because it depends on people. Like, wh- who is this person? Is he working eighty hours a week, or is it someone that's working thirty hours a week? Is it someone that wants to get out of the rat race in the next year, or is it someone that's just buying so to supplement his retirement? He's going to retire in thirty yeah. years. So. Uh, I can give an overview, I guess. I think it's good to manage yourself to start off with. I don't think it's a bad thing. Circumstances dependent on who you are as a person because also some people are too soft to be their own property management, right? They're too nice. People tell people that their their dog has died five times in the last five months. You know, I can't pay because of this. People are like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. You know, people are just too nice sometimes to do it. And you need a person in between you and the tenant to, to... to be that not asshole, not to be rude, but to be stern and fair, right? Otherwise, people yeah. will take advantage of you. So there's, you know, but I think it's good in some ways if you can start out self-managing because you learn a lot, right? And you, you know, you might make a few mistakes here and there, but you'll learn what it takes and how, what it looks like and how that, you know, managing of a property, managing of tenants works. So we we managed two of our single-family homes to start off with. My wife helped me a lot, but we did that to start off with and. You know, also helps the cash flow a little bit, but I wouldn't let that be the determining factor. But you mm-hmm. learn. So then when you do hire a property manager, you, you learn and you've had that experience. But also, I would also say maybe, depending on who you are and, and, and how you feel about it, hiring a property management company is a great way to start because when you start, that's when you're going to make the most mistakes. So when you have a property management company, you still learn about property management and you can ask questions and you can be involved and you know you can learn from them. And, you know, so, so you could even argue that it's better to start with the property management and then go manage yourself. But it, 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 it's, it's, I'm trying to give both sides of the coin because there is no one side yeah. of the coin. Right? There's always, <laughs> and then you've also like uh, Kiyosaki said, there's, there's the edge as well. So you've got to take that into consideration. But it's also good to have a property management company to start off with because you can make some big mistakes to start off with and you don't want to discriminate against tenants. There's all these laws now and legalities and legislation that you have to make sure that you follow otherwise you can get yourself in trouble and a good property management company is not only going to collect rents because people that think that's all they do right they're also going to have those years of experience on how to deal with tenants how to screen a tenant that's huge you know if you don't know how to property screen a tenant you can get if you get the wrong tenant in right it's it's better to have a property sit vacant for six months than have the wrong type of tenant in there because they will trash your place cost you a fortune so I would say taking consideration who you are, what, what you're trying to achieve, uh, what your lifestyle is, what, what kind of personality you have, how much time you have to allocate to this, and then from there decide, 
okay, if I think I'm a good fit for running this property myself, I'll, I'll self-manage to start off with. And if you're not, hire a good property management company and learn from them and, and kind of go from there. That's so true, man. It, it really is. You know, I mean, not everybody is, is fit to like manage their own properties and stuff. Like you said, I mean, some people are, you know, they just, it's, it's a role, you know what I mean? Like not everybody is fit to be, you know, in kind of a leadership, you know, kind of position or, you know, like a manager kind of position, um, you know, and some people are going to handle things different than others. And it might be, you know, wiser for them, you know, to use a property manager or, you know, people might be really good managers, but like scale is a, is really big in their vision, you know? So, uh, I mean, you kind of have to hire a property manager to, to scale, you know, if you wanted to do something really crazy. And I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Um, a last but not question, Barry, uh, do you read and what is your favorite business investing or real estate book that you would recommend to anyone? Now this could be like a podcast or something too. Yeah. I, no, I don't read, I don't read that much. Um, <laughs> I read a good book actually a while back about apartment investing that people don't um, quote that often. So I'm sure there's a lot of rich dad, poor dads and same kind of books on the bigger pocket books, which are all great. But um, what it's called by a guy called Craig Haskell and it's called how to take your apartment complex from disaster to something else. Man, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a good book because it talked about it gave practical examples of of how to fix issues that come up right and i don't and i don't mean about how to fix a broken toilet i mean about if your property starts to go downhill yeah um um what what can you do to to fix it so i'm trying to find it here it sounds super interesting though i'm definitely if you, gonna, if, you uh, if you google craig craig if you yeah, if you if Craig Haskell is, is the name of the author, you, you'll find it. if you put Craig Haskell um, apartment book, you, you'll find it and it'll come up. But that was an interesting one. Um, business book. I don't I don't say I, I read too many business book. I listen I listen to tons of podcasts um, and yeah, obviously Bigger Pockets is a good podcast. I love. Um, Rod Khalif has a good podcast. Joe Fairless, Whitney Sue, a good podcast. And there's one called Old Capital, which I really like that. I don't know people that uh, know too much if you're in the apartment investing space. It's because it, they're, they're, they're financing guys. So they're um, mortgage brokers, essentially, in the commercial space. So they talk about a lot of the lending side and they're, they're really smart and they have great guests. On, so that's another good one. Yeah, there's tons out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely so I wish, have to I wish, check those out. I wish I could. I, I wish I could give a, a um a better. Okay, here we go. Found it. Found it. Found it. <laughs> How to take an apartment building from money pit to money maker by Craig Haskell. Ooh, that so sounds amazing. amazing. <laughs> real estate book. It's interesting for sure. Yeah, it might be a little dated, but I think the lessons in there. Are, yeah, are, uh, definitely applicable. Yeah, it sounds incredible. It's definitely, I'm definitely going to throw that on my list and check out that other podcast that your podcasts that you were talking about as well. Um, they sound great. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on here, Barry. It's it's always a pleasure to talk to you again, my man. And um, where uh, where can you be found on social media? You know, you, the podcast, 
everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, thanks for having me on, man. It's always a good time to talk to you. It could have uh, turned this into a two or three hour podcast. I'm yeah, sure. I know. Joe Rogan style, long, long form. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I noticed I was talking too much. It's like, my God, my answer's, my answer's going on for too long. Um, but yeah, so thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm glad, it, glad, glad you, you're doing this. This is... Uh, this in itself, right, is, is going to lead you to success. I have no doubt about that. So, so congratulations on getting to 24 episodes. Just get, have another 24 more and then get another 100 more. And then, you know, it's, it's just going to, going to help you undoubtedly, you know, no doubt about it. So I'm more than happy to be here. I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, where people can find me is um, if you go to wrestlingwithrealestate.com, it has all my links. I've got a, a podcast called the WWRE podcast, which stands for the wrestling with real estate podcast but if you go to the wwre podcast go on there there check my podcast out um i've got a youtube channel called wrestling with real estate but it's essentially just me rehashing out my podcast guests on there um but if you go to wrestlingwithrealestate.com everything is there there's also for anyone who's interested in apartment investing um me and my friend put together a little guide on how to underwrite deals um so it'll pop up once you go into that uh, site to wrestlingwithrealestate.com you can sign up there and i'll send you a I think it's about a 15 minute video on how to underwrite deals because that was the biggest one of the biggest problems I had and challenges I had when starting out was how to evaluate these deals because a, a five plus units <clears throat> is valued on the NOI and the cap rate and it's important how to get to the NOI which stands for net net operating income is essentially your income minus your expenses and it'll tell you what the valuation of the property so I had trouble figuring out how to properly underwrite these deals and get to a, a proper evaluation. So we put together a video to help people as much as we can with that. So if they go on there, they can sign up for that. That's amazing, man. Guys, go check out Barry's podcast. Give him a five-star uh, rating and, and a very nice review. Go check it out. It's it's a yes. really amazing podcast. Please. You know, same to you, man. Keep. I don't even know what episode you're on now. You get so many. It's amazing. <laughs> Good question. One a day. Yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. 150? It's absolutely incredible. Wait, uh, I love it so Today much. was 160. Today was 161. So that's incredible. Yeah, 161. I love that. So, but yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Barry. It, it really means a lot to me to have you on here, man. It's keep crushing it. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk soon. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me, bro. All right, guys. That concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.